Hello, my name is Jody Button McHale, and I'm a transitions and transformations coach. And I welcome you to Life We Envision, a podcast series spotlighting the reflections and the revelations of exceptional people in the midst of creating extraordinary lives. I'm especially happy to introduce you to Dr. Tracy Johnson Rockmore, who I first met at Learning Ally, formerly recording for the blind and dyslexic, where I was the executive director of the nonprofit, and Tracy became an extraordinarily profound and powerful advocate and spokesperson for that organization, and in fact, well beyond. I invited Tracy to join me for a conversation about her experiences with the ways in which major life transitions, both those unanticipated and those deliberately sought, can often turn out to be profoundly transformative turning points in our lives. By way of brief introduction, Tracy has over 10 years of experience in the higher education field, including advising, counseling, admissions, adjunct teaching, and she is strongly committed to supporting student success and the achievement of their educational objectives. Tracy is a highly recognized motivational speaker and advocate for students with learning disabilities, and she is also the recently published author of a superb book, Journey of Hope, An Everyday Guide for Adults with Dyslexia. And further, Tracy is the founder and president of Vessels of Hope, a mentoring and networking nonprofit organization for underserved individuals with learning disabilities. Welcome, Tracy, to Life Re-Envisioned. Well, thank you so much, Jody. I'm so honored to be here. And thank you for inviting me to this wonderful platform. I'm so excited to just have this conversation today. Thank you again. Well, the privilege is all mine. Congratulations uh, once again on your recent launch of Journey of Hope, an everyday guide for adults with dyslexia. In what ways was the decision to write this book related to your own life story and its inevitable challenges and triumphs? The connection between writing this book and my own life journey was very personal, not just for myself, but I often encountered just dealing with individuals as I was out advocating and, and speaking through Vessels of Hope and through other platforms, I often encounter individuals, families, just sharing their story, their journey, their struggles. Oftentimes it resonated with my own, but I just thought if we just had a manual, if we just had a book, an everyday guide for the individual that's dealing with dyslexia in life, not in academics, you know, not in a college, not in school, but through life. So sharing those stories and and having my own story, I kind of merged and married those stories together to create this guide for adult dyslexics. And the reason why I wanted to focus on adults is because after we're out of school, there's no more IEP. There's no more individual plan for life. So how do we continue to function on this journey as adults? So this guide was really for the everyday dyslexic the one that's maybe in that dead-end job or just trying to get through different life situations where our dyslexia is encountered or impacted by those, those things. Like, for instance, signing your mortgage papers or writing an application for a job and you get stumped in, in how to, to spell something or how to write something. Maybe having a little uh, tool there for you to do, you could just pull out when needed. So I just thought about, okay, what can we, what do we need? We need a tool in our toolbox as adults, dyslexics as well, because again, it doesn't go away once we get out of school. We're still dealing with it in every day. I found reading it really revelatory in the sense that it was so straightforward, so uh, crystal clear. And for me, it opened up a, a whole new way of looking at the complexity of uh, how arduous it can be sometimes to navigate. Yes, 
Yes, that's that's so true. And I think non-dyslexics, you know, some things you you just don't think about as second nature. Oh, I'm just going to go in a restaurant and order something for myself and, and my friends. They're going to order what they want. But what if your friend is dyslexic and they and they haven't disclosed that with you? So they often counter a lot of challenges in reading the menu. They may want to to kind of hide those things or they, they'll give other cues to to avoid reading, the menu, looking at the pictures or asking maybe the waitress what they recommend. So they may eat it, although they think it's quite disgusting. But because of that challenge, they had to, to kind of navigate around certain things in order to just fit in. Because that's what we all want to do, just fit in with everyone else. I was um, thinking about your particular story and the fact that you weren't necessarily en route to higher education yourself and in fact have multiple degrees right now. And it struck me all of a sudden that under other circumstances, you know, you would move on to job exploration, all of those kind of things. But even that particular piece finding ways in which to, you know, get access to interviews and prepare for them and to read all the the minutiae and so on must be extraordinarily daunting. And so how frustrating that must be to have, as you did, these, you know, exceptionally high standards for yourself and yet to find these things getting in the way time and time again. Absolutely. And sharing some of those challenges. And as you, you know my story, but I will share uh, somewhat with the audience that I, I grew up in inner city school districts and I struggled and not only myself, but the whole school, of course, it was an impoverished neighborhood. So we did not have many resources. And my uh, dyslexia was not identified in elementary school, middle school or high school. So I, I was struggling all throughout those years, low self-esteem, uh, depression, thoughts of suicide, bouts of suicide from a child throughout school, often secluded, all those types of things. I had a joy and a love for people, but Often I thought that I would be exposed at the drop of a dime if I was asked to read something in front of my friends or my family. So that that often brought a lot of fear in me growing up. So, but when I was able to get out of high school and and really that's where my journey really began to, to go upward because I was able to connect with organization, International Dyslexia Association, where I was able to get truly identified as being dyslexic. And then at that time, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not dumb, I'm not slow, I'm not stupid. All those things that I was told growing up as a child, I'm dyslexic. So it's like having a sickness. And now I was finally diagnosed what exactly I had. So for me, I know there's often a challenge out there between labeling and non-labeling. But that, for me, at that point in my life, that label gave me a relief that I was, I was not broken. I was dyslexic. I was, I was just thinking that it's especially fascinating that you would find yourself so deeply entrenched in a personal and a professional commitment to supporting those in higher education who are either non-traditional or, or in fact, first-generation learners, first-generation students. Would you just kind of tell us a little bit more about how that plays out for you when you're jumping back and forth between your personal and your professional life and finding yourself often a pretty a fundamentally pivotal advocate for those students with which you're interacting. Yes. So I myself was not only struggling with dyslexia, but I was I actually became through that journey. I was encouraged to go to college, to go back to college. And out of my immediate family, I became a first generation college student. 
What that looked like for me, it was really a blind journey. I was blind <laughs> trying to figure out this journey of how to get through higher ed. Number one, again, I was already told that I could not go through higher ed, but now here I am in this whole new world of, of now gaining not only a degree, but a few degrees, but navigating that, that world that I did not have a roadmap for. So once I entered college, I actually tried to find every resource that the college had available. Of course, number one, the Office of Quality Services, where I could get my accommodations, where I can get those things. But the tutoring center became my second dorm, you say. So I went, I would, whatever tutors that they had available there, plus my own private tutor, I worked along with those services. And a lot of times with our adult learners, because our first generation college students, they don't know this world. And oftentimes they're afraid to, to let anyone else know they don't, they do not know this world. So when I encounter first generation college students and adult students that sometimes are first generation college students, I want to share with them every resource that was available to me and how it impacts my life. But I'm telling them if they follow those that same recipe, how it, it can impact theirs as well. Because again, you're not going back home to a family that knows this language, because I really believe in higher ed, there's a different language for those who don't know. So you're going back to a home setting where they're not privy to that language and it's okay, but you want to connect yourself with a social network, but also an academic network that knows the language and that can walk you through that journey. You, you will be successful because if you, you can take advantage of everything that, that's offered there, most schools want to help. Teachers are, are in the business to want to help students. And I know for myself, when I see a student walk into my classroom who have that thirst and that hunger for learning, I'm going to do whatever I can to help that student out. And that's what I did. I had a thirst and hunger for learning, but I knew I had different difficulties that I was going to be challenged with. So I encountered my professor say, look, I'm going to be the hardest working student that you have in this class, but this is what I need. You know, it occurs to me that you have a, a particularly incisive vantage point from which to offer critique about what really needs to be done systemically and otherwise to better support the success of non-traditional higher education learners. Anything that you'd like to share with us about where you think the field needs to move in a strategic way? Really, oftentimes, especially with our adult learners, there's a lot of challenges that they're already coming to the table with. This may be their second career if they have a family, if they have, of course, they're working on a job, but they need to now juggle all this, giving them some tools and strategies of how to juggle all of this and also bringing in support of your family. They may not know that world, but they can support you in other ways. If you're a single mom, are there ways that family can help in taking the children for a while while you have a couple of hours to study or something like that? Can you connect with someone in your class that also is dealing with the same challenges, but you guys can connect in a certain way to really support each other academically. Sometimes the school could also have resources where they can have peer-to-peer -peer resources where if there's a definitely successful adult learners or first-generation college students, if they kind of walk through that already, connecting them with them, with those that are coming in. So we often think, okay, these resources, thinking, okay, there's dollar signs attached, but there's some resources that we can kind of really be creative and thinking about what's already in the house. You know, how can we use our students to help other students? And a lot of students really want to help other students. 
they want to share the knowledge they have and be able to help someone else be successful as well. So we just have to kind of look outside the box and not just think there's one way of helping and there's one way of helping students be to be successful. Because again, it's not any, any brick and mortar so much anymore. We have a lot of students online these days. We have a lot of students having a non-traditional schedule where they're coming to school in the evenings and things like that. So we have to think of other ways to work around what their needs are because the needs of a lot of college students now have changed. We're working in a technology now offering also some more assistive technology as well to students to help and support in those ways. But just, you know, again, if they don't know the language, they don't know what to ask for, but if we can offer them those resources and, and letting them know some technology tools and things like that that can support them in these areas, I think would make their experience a lot more enjoyable. You know, Tracy, I'm listening to you respond to that particular question reminded me of when we first met. And at that time, you had begun to use some tools that the organization at that time was providing. And I remember being really impressed by virtually everything about you, but I don't know that I would have guessed at that time that you would have moved from an interest in, you know, once again, looking for a technique that was going to be helpful to you to becoming the phenomenal advocate, public speaker, documentary, you know, uh, focus. <laughs> I mean, every time I speak to you, you're at another level of sort of self-revelatory exploration <laughs> and sharing it everywhere you go. Right. and so. You know, it just occurs to me that you were given a particularly arduous road to walk, but what a phenomenal impact you've had on communities, you know, beyond the borders of this country even. I wondered, you know, what was the inspiration for, on top of everything else that you're doing, deciding to create Vessels for Hope, this, this nonprofit that is focused particularly on vulnerable communities within the larger sphere? Vessels of Hope was was birthed out of all the struggles that I believe I have. And I believe my personal belief is every struggle has a purpose. And the struggles that I encountered as a child and someone as a young adult dealing with dyslexia, dealing with all the other emotional challenges dealing with dyslexia, birthed out Vessels of Hope. And really, that actually came from a Bible saying, actually, I, I thought about there's a passage talking about uh, we are where there's treasure in earthy vessels. But I always thought when I was dealing with my challenges that I was a broken vessel. And when I discovered what was going on with my learning challenges, my vessel began to mend. So that's where vessels of hope pouring in that hope in individuals in our vessels that was maybe fractured or broken. So that's where vessels of hope was really birthed from. And it's like I wanted to share not only my journey, but the resources that could be available, the connections you can make, most of all, educating our underprivileged communities, because oftentimes they're told that, you know, higher education or education in general is just not for them because they struggle so much. So them, again, just walking around in that darkness, like I did, I didn't want anyone, a child or adult, to experience that. So my desire in, in developing Vessels of Hope is that I have, we have a, a safe place where people can come, most of all, share those emotional scars that we, we all deal with with dealing with dyslexia, but also sharing that hope that's available and the resources that we could connect them with. Tracy, as we come to the end of our, our time, it strikes me that 
if someone is listening who lives with dyslexia or someone who is supporting someone that is, it might be interesting to hear if there's any sort of takeaways or final thoughts you have that link your response a moment ago to what can come of looking at adversity and reframing it in ways that might have profoundly different outcomes. My strong word is always resilience. And sometimes that resilience has to be, it may be something dim inside an individual at first, but everyone dealing with any type of learning disability or disability in general, there's a light inside. There's definitely something inside. And as much as possible, try to engage in a community that's going to foster that light inside of you, that's going to bring that light out of you, that that light begins to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. I mean, I'm talking to to one of my light bringers right now. This woman has, has brought light to me in several ways. And it's so important that we connect with a community that not only see our disability, that but can also see our abilities and they can hone in on, the, on those abilities and bring and help bring out the best in us. Tracy, I wish to express my immense gratitude to you for taking the time to reflect on the, the myriad ways that transitions, regardless of their origin, can be really extraordinary in that they might never have otherwise revealed themselves. And I wonder if we could end by you sharing with our listeners where they might best access Journey of Hope, an everyday guide for adults with dyslexia, and perhaps also how best to get in touch with you if they thought that your Vessels for Hope nonprofit might be a resource that they had not thought of previously. Sure. You can definitely go to my our website, which is Vessels of Hope at Vessels of Hope vessels.org. You can also go on Facebook. I'm often posting information on Facebook about dyslexia and other learning disabilities and also just other resources in the community. I often post on that site. That's actually Vessels of Hope. I also have a Dr. Tracy Johnson Facebook page as well, where other resources are, are posted. And just if you go to our website, my the information is right there. You can also email me through the website and you can find our book right on Amazon. Amazon Prime actually has our book on Amazon, or you can actually go through our website. And if you just send me an email, we have a landing page that we have posted there. Tracy, it's a, a great privilege, as I said, to know you. And I can't imagine that the time that you spent uh, speaking with me is not going to be enormous and fundamentally, potentially life-changing for those who have an opportunity to, to hear it and to perhaps reach out to you in different kinds of ways. For those of you that have joined us for this segment with Tracy and myself of Life Re-Envisioned, we wish you every good wish for your well-being. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. 